before we jump into Jonah chapter 2, I want to just kind of say, for those of us who are not as familiar with the scriptures, not as familiar with, um, not as familiar with, what's the word I'm looking for? With, with the Old Testament, the Bible is wisdom literature. The intent of the scriptures is that we would meditate on it day and night. I've been a Christian for close to 14 years, and I'm still learning how to meditate on the scriptures. I'm still learning how to grow. So please don't feel intimidated if you're feeling like, how come everyone else knows this? Really, today what we're doing is an exercise in kind of bringing us to the end of the scriptures, bringing us to the end of, when I say scriptures, Jonah chapter four. So it's just an exercise of communal learning, and that would be my encouragement. If you want to grow in your understanding of scriptures in the future, communal learning is where it's at. Read something and say, hey, Juan, I read this yesterday. What do you think about this? Hey, such and such. So what we're doing is communal learning, which is good. And please just be very patient with yourself as you're growing and maturing in understanding the word of God. And there's no such thing as a bad question. You can... Most of you have my phone number. You could text me right after and say, hey, I didn't understand this. I didn't understand that. And, 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 I'll, be, and I'll make myself available for conversation if there's any question. But then there's a lot of other wise people you could talk to it here, too, that you'd probably be better off talking to. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 14 through 17. Can I get someone to read that? A volunteer, 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 14 through 17. Irene, let's go. Amen. Thank you so much. What Paul says here is so important that the scriptures are able to make us wise for salvation. So as we're looking at the scriptures, we are supposed to be able to understand how God's salvation is going to work. All scriptures God breathed. Jonah is a story tied to a bigger story of God working amongst his people. And it's important that we remember that fact as we're studying Jonah together. And so the Old Testament is wisdom literature. That leads people to understand that they need to be rescued by what someone else has done for them. And that someone else is the Messiah, Jesus. So at the end of the book of Jonah, we're going to look for Jesus. Okay, some basic rules. We only know what happened in one chapter, guys. (laughs) Chapter one so far. We don't know what happens in chapter three. We don't know what happens in chapter four. I know many of you have read chapter three and four, and you're going you're gonna to find yourself, I just want to jump over there. We only know what has happened in chapter one. So we're going to read chapter two together individually, and then we're going to read chapter two out loud. We don't know what happened in chapter three or four. So we're going to start reading chapter two now individually. 
Sorry to interrupt. Also read verse 17 in chapter 1. We stopped that chapter on verse 16. So read verse 17. That's important. Chapter 1, verse 17, and then read the rest of chapter 2. All right. Good stuff, guys. So I just want to throw off some reminders. Last week we talked about the prophet plays the role as the conscience of the people. Like this person is usually coming and addressing what the people are already seeing. God selects this individual and says, go out there and go represent me. The main point of critiques are usually injustice and idolatry. That's primarily what they talk about. Last week someone asked, um, how far was Tarshish from Nineveh? So Nineveh's right there. Tarshish is right here. He went down to Joppa, which is somewhere where you see Tob. It's like around that area. And then he caught a boat over here. So about 3,000 miles he took off. He knew God wouldn't call him from there. But the, God got him a fish and gave him a ride right back. <laughs> So he caught his fish. He had a unique ride back to Babylon. So, I mean, not Babylon, Nineveh. All right. Let's read it together. Beginning in um, verse 17 of chapter 1. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said... In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the sea, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me, and I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep water surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought me up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayers rose to you, to your holy temple, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. Amen. So what do we notice about chapter two? So we remember chapter one. Chapter one, Jonah was called by God and he took off. And then um, some sailors saw a huge storm. He was on the boat with some sailors and they were scared and everything. And they started praying to their gods and they found out it was Jonah. And Jonah was like, hey, 
It's me. Toss me over. And he got tossed over and now fish just ate him. But what are we noticing about chapter two? What, what did you say, Irene? I said Jonah oh. dies. Jonah dies? Yeah. It, it seems that way. It could, I mean, definitely from the um, sailor's point of view, he looks dead. If I see any of you guys get eaten by a fish, I think that's all she wrote. <laughs> I'm like, I won't see you again. <laughs> Reach one? Okay. Yes. That's a, we're going to get to that. That's, that's good, Heather. Well, it actually is from Mike Fix. Hey. He mentions that on Easter. Wow. Yeah. Well, bless him. Mike Fix. Yeah. 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 Yes, yes. That's actually, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, you know, I think even though we might have been talking about this in the physical sense, I feel like I can relate to, yeah, these verses like four, four through four through six, where it's, you know, like I, I might feel the weight of so much, especially like when I fail or I mess up, like man, uh, you know, I've been banished from your sight. But like I like self banish myself. Mm. So I feel like I can, I can kind of put myself in in the perspective. So you're saying Jonah is experiencing some remorse or abandonment? At least abandonment, right? (laughs) He definitely feels like he cast. I find it interesting that he says that he's praying in his distress because the storm was apparently not distressful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I definitely... True, very true. That, at that moment, he was distressed. Irene, then, yeah. then Ken. He said, um, with a song of thanksgiving, you know, will I sacrifice to you? I mean, there's a huge change. I mean, like, he obviously did not want to sacrifice and go to Nineveh. Mm-hmm. Now, it seems like his heart has changed. Okay, yeah. He said he's thankful. He says, with a song of thanksgiving. Okay, so being in the fish, Jonah seems like he's having a change of heart. Let, let me ask this question. Does Jonah know he's going to get out the fish? No. <laughs> Have you ever been in trouble before and you know there's nothing you could do, but you try to like posture yourself like, let me go about this the best way possible? It can feel like that's what Jonah's doing. But we don't know yet because we haven't read chapter 3 or 4. <laughs> so we have no idea. What were you going to say, Ken? Um, well, it just kind of reminded me of the, the saying, there are, there are no atheists in plot holes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, let's uh, go to the next. What does it seem like Jonah's feeling right here? Yeah, I mean, it, this sounds like deep depression. I mean, it sounds like anguish, crying out. You know, listen to my cry. I mean, he feels alone. It, it's dark. He's down in a pit. It's hopeless. Definitely been a, a time or two, even a few years ago, where I went through a time like this. You know what I mean? Where it's just really, really painful and deep and 
Yeah. Yeah, let me ask you, since we read chapter one, we know chapter one. What do you think he's feeling the distress and the abandonment about? You, do you think he's feeling bothered that he rejected God's will and didn't do what he was supposed to do? Do you think he's being bothered by being sent by God to go do something he didn't want to do? What do you think is bothering him right now, knowing that we've read chapter one? Being in the fish. But what exactly as he's praying in the fish? Mm. Kind of yeah, yeah, AJ. It's so similar to that. I think um, I think he expected to die when he threw him over. <laughs> Not get an opportunity to pray. Come on. Why am I still alive? Let me pray. <laughs> Jesse, <laughs> then Lenny. Yeah, I think um, verse 4 is interesting. He's saying, oh, Lord, you have driven me from your presence. So it feels like there's that shame, regret, and that God has, like, abandoned him in a way. But what, what I also, I never noticed this, but I found interesting. He says, how will I ever again see you, your holy temple? Which is a funny prayer to pray when you're in a church. But, um, I, what I noticed was in verse 7, though. Sorry, going off track. Of Go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to talk about that, so I'm happy you saw that. Yeah, that kind of leads into what I was going to say. Is verse 1 says, from deep inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. So he's in the fish, and he's praying. But if you read through it, I don't know what your version is. I've got a couple of different versions of looking at it, but it's all in the past tense. So he's not, he's not praying about getting out of the fish. Mm. He's, you know, he's not talking about the distress of being in the fish, I don't think. He's talking about the distress from the board. Mm. So you think chapter two is him now reflecting on what we didn't know in chapter one. Like this is how he was feeling the whole way. Let's go, Lenny. Kind of really piggyback off that. I mean, I'm reading out of the Amplified, so like the wording of the, the ordering of the words is a little different. Uh, but verse three, it says, you cast me into the deep, into the deep part of the seas, and the currents surrounded and engulfed me. All your breakers and billing waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. So like, all the waves and stuff happened before he said, I've been cast out of your sight. Yeah, and it's really interesting that the author of Jonah moves from narrative style to poetic style. Because poetry has a way of communicating things that regular words just can't. You know, like, you are the wind beneath my wings, right? Like, if I was talking literal, you are the wind beneath my wings, you're like, you got no wings, bro. But when I'm using poetry... It's lovely. Roses are red, violets are blue. Sugar is sweet. And so are you, right? Come on. That's how I got my wife. It was that poem right there. <laughs> that isn't how I got it. <laughs> but, the, but the reason, it, it's really important. When, when you find poetry in the Old Testament or even in the New Testament, once the, once the genre switches, they're, what, they're, they're trying to call your attention to something that's happening. They want, the author wants you to feel something in this moment. 
And that's why they switched to poetry. Poetry has a way of touching our emotions in a way that narratives don't, right? And so the author is trying to get us to identify with what Jonah's going through. But sometimes when we don't read it in the poetic prose and we read it just like narrative, we can miss that. Lourdes. Baptism. Okay, we're going to get there. But we haven't read chapter 3 or 4. But we're going to get there. We're not even in the New Testament. We don't even know who Jesus is yet. (laughs) Spoiler alert, it is a foreshadow to a large extent. But we haven't even heard about that yet. We're moving in that direction. All right. But Lenny Lenny is the only one who's read chapter (laughs) 4. So why huge fish? Anthony? Okay. Can God have conjured up some other animal that could have done the same thing? So amplified. Let's go. <laughs> going, going back to Jonah chapter 1 verse 17. Uh, now the Lord had prepared appointed a destined fish. The ancient Hebrew term fish did not make a distinction between fish and marine mammals. Mm. There are no marine creatures known today which could have been capable of swallowing a man, either because of their anatomy or because of their observed behavior. It is possible that the creature that swallowed Jonah has long since been extinct or even that it was uniquely created by God for this one purpose. Nice. Nice. (laughs) They amplified and gave you commentary with it. All right. All right, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop a little nugget. It's a symbol. Now, what do you think the symbol is? So it wasn't just a, it, the fish is important because it's a symbol to something that Jonah thinks, the author of Jonah thinks we all know. If I were sharing this story in America and I said, we got swallowed up by a bald eagle, what would come to mind? Freedom. <laughs> but the bald eagle would be everyone who is American black. Oh, that's our national mascot? Emblem. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's why we need you here, Lenny. Emblem. Okay, now think about the fish with that in mind. No. Nineveh. That's they worship a fish god. <laughs> Marine life, man. Well, you know what? Just to be fair, most people think that they worship a fish god. Everyone in Mesopotamia except um, Israel and the Canaanite tribe worship a fish god but they don't know for a fact that Nineveh did but everyone around in Babylon with um not Babylon Philistine Philistine Philista Philistia whatever however you say the Philistines in their they worship Dagon and Dagon it uh and all those other different areas worship a fish god and so a lot of the the rabbis at least felt like this was what Jonah ultimately was allowing to happen. He was allowing a God to swallow him up instead of serving his God. Now, the Jew, I mean, the Christian 
commentators on this don't see it that way. They see it more like the Amplified. A big fish showed up and swallowed him. But the rabbis are seeing something symbolic here. And, and they're wrestling with it. And so why the big fish? Let's just say the rabbis are right. We, we leave room for them to be wrong. But let's just say they're right. Why would God allow Jonah to be swallowed by that? How would that have looked to the sailors when they saw that? Yes. A fish sent from the gods. A godfish. <laughs> Why would? How would that have looked if we saw a big, a giant, huge eagle swallow any of you guys up? How how does that impact how we read the scriptures tomorrow? Like a man-sized eagle that can swallow a human. Yeah, I was even asked, like, where did America get this thing? <laughs> and, and then we would have to start digging into the weeds, and then we'd get conspiracy theories, and we'd all be messed up. But it would really make me question, okay, is the eagle coming and swallow me because of what I said about America or what I was going to do to America? Can Amer- does America actually have eagles that can swallow people? It's a good question that the rabbi has asked. They don't give an answer, so I don't got one either. That's a good question. Why the fish? We're going to get back to that. Actually, chapter 4 kind of explains what God was doing here, but we haven't read that yet. Three days and three nights. Three days and three nights. Do not think Jesus' resurrection yet. (laughs) Instantly, everyone went there, man, because he says it in Matthew. He says, nothing be given to you except the sign of Jonah. Well, what is the sign he's talking about? There's a lot of signs in here, but is there another place in scriptures where we saw three days and three nights in the Old Testament? Nothing in the New Testament. Three days and three nights in the Old Testament. Is there any place that's coming to mind where you're like, hmm, that's a, that's a good thought. You could, you could put it in, um, go to Bible.com or BibleGateway.com, put three days and three nights. See what comes out. Iggy. I'm not sure if this is it, but when uh, David counted the, the, uh, the army and he got to choose what, what the punishment was for that, was it, did he choose three days and three nights? Yes. Yes. Give me one more, Iggy. We got, we got like nine in there, Iggy. I want three. <laughs> but that was good. Yes. Okay, I want one more, but we got nine in there. <laughs> Give me one more, Cherry. You guys are getting fired up. Iggy, I'm counting on you to pull us out of this one, bro. Use your phone, bro. Cheat. Dig <laughs> <laughs> in there. Bible Gateway. <laughs> but with the Moses situation that... Lincoln mentioned with what you mentioned in um, David's situation. What are the common themes? Second Samuel. What are the common themes? Reflection. Reflection. Redemption. Testing. There's a testing going on here. I think AJ mentioned it earlier. If I got swallowed by a fish, how long would it take me to pray? 
once I knew I was dead, I probably wouldn't pray anymore, right? Like once I knew there was no way out. But if I thought I could get out, then I'd probably pray immediately. But let's just say hypothetically, this isn't a long prayer. So you know he didn't pray all three days. Right? It doesn't look like this. There's no way you could pray this three days unless he went on repeat and repeat. And he, and he wrote poetry in a fish. That's even a bigger miracle, which is impressive on so many levels. So what kind of test is Jonah going through? Every other reference, um, Hosea chapter 6, verse 1 through 2, 2 Kings um, chapter 20, verse 5, and then Exodus uh, 15, 22, Genesis 22, verse 4. Every single situation is a test. What do you think God is testing Jonah in? Answer. Yes, but Why? That was a good answer, Anthony. You didn't know I was going to have a follow-up question, right? You're like, if I knew the follow-up was coming, I would never raise my hand. <laughs> you, don't got, you don't got anything from me, Anthony? Good, man. From the mouth of babes. All right. Uh, anyone else? Why did, what is he testing? So I think, you know, testing is all about strengthening and, and training up. Okay, okay. Nick? Uh, I think part of the testing, I think he wants to know, um, or he's testing Jonah's identity. So in chapter one, he identifies himself as a Hebrew. Yeah. As like a wanderer. And he wants to know, like, okay, are you, are you still wandering? Are you my people? Yeah, that, so keep all of those thoughts in your head because he, we, we are watching Jonah take the SATs right now. <laughs> we're going to let we're going to find out if he passed or fell. Now if you just read chapter 2, it looks like like I mentioned earlier that he passed. When we get to the last part of chapter 2, you're like, "Oh, he passed. He got it. He saw it." But, but we haven't read chapter 3 or 4, so we really don't know. <laughs> we really don't know. Lenny, we don't know. Okay, so there's different types of psalms in the scriptures, right? And this is what this is that we're looking at in chapter 2. What type of psalm do you think this is that we're reading? I think it's a combination of thanksgiving and meditation. Yeah, I think it's a lament. How would you define imprecatory? Like judgment, like cursing. Kind of threw a little shot at the idol worshippers. You saw that? Yeah. There is. Now, if you could pull out all your prayers in one shot, how, you, what, what kind of emotional state you think you're in? Like most of us are usually consistent with however we enter into prayer. It's either we're going Thanksgiving, we're going Lamentation, we're going like, God, you're so amazing. We're going like, God, I can't understand your ways. Or we're like, God, someone needs to die for this. <laughs> we're trusting or, or we're, we're just feeling 
if you can cover the the range of all the Psalms, what what sort of emotional state you think you're in? If that that's how you're praying, desperation, desperation, all over the place. Yeah, you know it's interesting. Jonah covered every bit of this a little bit. And it could be desperation. I think we're going to find out what it is in chapter three, but we haven't read that yet. (laughs) But keep that in mind when we go to chapter three. Keep this in mind when we go to chapter three. So I have like kind of an unrelated question, but also... Go for it. Oh, that's very normal in what we see in the Old Testament. They have that kind of the Lord, the friend of Abraham, and then the Lord, the unapproachable. You know what I mean? So that's very normal. But that's a good question, nevertheless. That's a good question. With his up and down. (laughs) Like, God, are we cool now? We're not cool, God. (laughs) Can I call you by your your first name, though? We're not there yet. Um... I wouldn't know how to address God either. I'm like, I don't know what term we're on. I just love you. I might throw a little bit of Hebrew in there. He can be like, stop trying to impress me. <laughs> All right. The realm of the dead. Heather mentioned it. The realm of the dead. He says this in verse. What verse is it? I just saw it. Two. Two. The realm of the dead. The Hebrew word for the realm of the dead is Sheol. Right? Sheol. And so Jonah is like, I am in the realm of the dead. Now, I don't think it takes like severe rocket science to realize you don't want to be in the realm of the dead, right? Like, I think we all can kind of be on the same page. We don't want to be there. But this is one of those situations where, where have we seen this phrase used before in the scriptures? This is a hyperlink. This is what um, some people would call intertextual connections. But Tim Mackey from the Bible Project likes to call it hyperlink because that's just easier for us to understand. But if you look for something that says hyperlink in any of these academic books, you won't find it. But now, you know, intertextual intertextuality is the actual academic term. But hyperlink is what we're going with. So where is a hyperlink? Can you guys find me one? A ton. Okay, can I get a volunteer to read Psalm 88? David does use it a lot. The Psalms use this imagery a lot. And it's connected to how the Hebrew people saw the world, and we'll, we'll, we'll transition to that soon. Can I get someone to read Psalm 88? It's the darkest psalm in the Bible. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Now try to pay attention to the imagery that's being used here. Yeah. 
Go for it. Or you could tag your brother in. Amen. So what is the psalmist here describing? Okay, but what metaphors and imagery is the psalmist ratcheting up right here? But how? How how is the psalmist dying? But in what way? What's the manner that's killing him? Or her? Water. Do you see the water metaphors all over here? Like flooded, the deep, I can't, and it just keeps coming. Like the psalmist is using the water as a figurative tomb right now. There go a foreshadowing if anyone wanted to see another one, right? Um, and so David, I mean, Jonah is using the same sort of metaphors. And that actually comes from an understanding of how they viewed the world. 
right? Like our um, our cosmology, our modern cosmology, we don't view the world the way that the Hebrew people did, not even a little bit. But that's how they understood the world, right? Like for us, we know that this the planet Earth revolves around the sun. Someone told us that, and we believe it, right? I'm not saying we need to question that either, just to be clear. I'm just saying we believe it. We, I've not been out there to see it for myself, but I believe it because they got no reason to lie to me except they do, right? Um, <laughs> but what, what, jo- what Jonah is describing now is he is having a... a he, he's envisioning the world before his face right now, the world he understood. And so this is kind of how he views the world a little bit. So when he's describing, see that fish over there? Big fish? You see it? I'm, I'm assuming you guys see it. Maybe you don't see it. Okay. Now, does anyone... Okay, so let me kind of describe this just really quickly so we can understand. So when, when Hebrew people read Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and how they understood the world, this is a picture of how they understood the world. So do you see where what we would consider space is? Beneath the vault, right? So we got the stars and everything. Everything we would consider space is beneath the vault that we read in Genesis chapter 2. I mean, Genesis chapter 1. So if you're looking for where God is, where is God? Above the vault. Above the vault. He's sitting up there in, in throne. So if, if someone ever said, oh, if I go up to space, I'm going to run to the guy. You're like, oh, you got to get through the vault, the dome in the sky. You can't get through the dome in the sky, right? And so Jonah is sinking, and what Jonah is envisioning isn't so much the temple in Jerusalem as much as he's looking for where God's throne is. So he's falling, and he's like, God, I see you, but you don't see me. you never seen a, uh, what's that movie that was pretty popular? Get Out? If you ever seen Get Out, imagine that scene right there where um, the guy is just falling and he's looking up and he's like, God, what, what are you going to do here? Where are you going to look? And so it's really important that for the Hebrew people, they, they looked at the water as the grave. So when he got ate, eaten by this fish, he was like, I'm already here. I'm already in the land of the dead. And so the way he's understanding it, by virtue of me being deep into the oceans like that, I'm done for. And so, yes, he can't see outside of the fish, but he can direct his head to wherever he thinks the heavens are, and he can look to God, and God can respond. And so something unique happens here where he says, I'm able to see your salvation. We're going we're gonna to unpack that a little bit more here shortly. Any questions about this? I just gave you, this is, if you want to know more about this, Tim Mackey does some really easy stuff with this. When I say easy, he does like three videos and it's like all visual, which is pretty cool. If you want to get deeper into it, then um, there's, this, he, there's this German guy who wrote a book about this, which is really good, but it's, uh, I can't pronounce his name for the life of me, but I'll take a picture of it next time and you guys can read it. But it's a little bit more technical. But it's pretty cool to see that's how they understood the world. And so a lot of times when you're hearing, especially in the New Testament too, they still have this cosmology in mind when they're looking at how the world is. They're not looking at it like, where's Jupiter? They don't care about Jupiter. We care about Jupiter. We're like, where's Jupiter in the scriptures? And dinosaurs and everything else. 
<laughs> All right, verse nine. Irene mentioned it earlier. Did he repent? Maybe. We haven't read chapter three. We haven't read chapter four. Well, what's what's missing in this poem? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that shows some sign of, of a change in heart. Mm-hmm. Emily? He did get spat back out. Not yet, at that point. Not yet. What is missing? When you think of someone who's repented, what are some characteristics that we normally imagine from a change? Okay, anything else? Before change. An apology. An apology. Forgiveness. Is there any forgiveness here? Like, Lord, I'm sorry I ran from you. Really. He's like, man, I'm dying, dying, dying. But I'm going to keep my vow. <laughs> like, what's going on here, dude? Okay. It's really important that we understand that. He didn't ask for forgiveness here. That's an important detail missing. Because we didn't grow up as... Um, anyone in here grew up um, Jewish? Okay, so because we didn't grow up Jewish, we, we, we wouldn't have caught that. But most Jews would know that that's a part of your repentance is asking for forgiveness, which God graciously gives. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love. But so you just ask for forgiveness and that's missing. That, if we were all growing up Jews, that would have been the first thing we would have raised our hand. He ain't, for, he ain't, he ain't apologized. Our kids would have picked up on it if they were reading it. <laughs> if they were reading it, they were like, he ain't say sorry. He's not sorry. <laughs> Which is, which is a big detail. But for us, you know, sometimes we don't think about that. All right. What does the Lord's actions reveal to us? He, he did two things in this story. What, what, what is God up to here? He hears. He hears. God's presence is throughout here. I mean, John had felt alone. And he thought he felt abandoned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is wild. I just read it. Amplified says vomited, and I just imagine being vomited out of the fish is a little violent. So um, it's still, even at the end, it's not just like he was magically transported back to shore. Like he was thrown up. Why did the fish vomit? Could God have just made the fish just magically let Jonah out yeah. without vomiting? Because the vomit came with other stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so why did God command this fish to vomit? Say that one more time, Anthony. Okay. Okay, okay, maybe. Maybe. He didn't apologize, man. <laughs> so now that we, like, okay, vomit is not a good imagery for any, 
for any culture. Like if someone was like, yo, that apology made me want to throw up. That's where we get this from. That, that, that's where the expression kind of stems from. Irene? So this is a, what you mentioned is very important, Irene. We, we, we get to see kind of two components of God right here. He's gracious enough to not allow Jonah to die. But by virtue of telling this fish to throw up, one would believe. God is like, I'm not buying it. All this stuff you were saying and all the other things was good. I'm still going to send you anyway. But you're, you're, it, it's almost like Jesus working with Peter and, and, and that last moment, you know? Peter's like, I never, whatever. He's like, listen, you're going to deny me three times, man. Just, I prayed for you. You'll be all right. And Peter's like, that ain't going to be me. Then Peter takes off and he's like, all right, that was me. It's in this moment right here where we're kind of seeing the graciousness of God, but also God can't be deceived to a large extent. You're going to. So that's a little bit of a reach, but if we're looking at it, uh, the fish is kind of the symbol of the scorned God, the scorned idol, that something godly cannot be overcome by idols. So it has like a violent exit because whatever this God tries to swallow up cannot contain the work of God. So that's a little bit of a stretch. Um, Ken then Juan. Um, you know, I was just going to say um, what, I, what I was thinking is God uh, uses a, lot, a very lot of physical things to help reveal spiritual things to him. So it's just being, he does that with us today. Just our, the physical things that happen around us are often tools God uses to teach us something spiritual. Mm. Juan. Yeah, you know, um, go for it, Sebastian.
Okay, let's go to Leviticus. You know, when do we ever read Leviticus? But I'm grateful that Wells vomit is valuable. Like, when do you ever hear that, right? Like, you had to come to midweek to find that out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Learn something new every day. Leviticus chapter 18. Um... Leviticus 18, verse 24 through 30. And I want you to kind of just see the imagery here because we're good Jews, right? So we're reading Jonah as faithful Jews here, even though we're Christians. Don't get deceived, guys. All right. Um, Leviticus 18, 24. Do not defile yourself in any of these ways because this is how the nations that I'm going to drive out before you became defiled. Even the land was defiled. So I will punish it for its sins and the land vomited out its inhabitants. But you must keep my decrees and my laws. The native born and the foreign residing among you must not do any of these detestable things. For all these things were done by the people who lived in the land before you and the land became defiled. And if if, if you defile the land, it will vomit you out as they vomited out the nations that were before you. Now, how is God using vomit here? Is he using it as a signpost for grace or is he using it as a signpost of judgment? Again, so remember that there's hyperlinks. Once one part kind of, it's like supposed to grab like, oh yeah, that's somewhere else in the Bible. Like a lot of times when you see these unique words, look for it in the first five books. If you hear something like the first five books, if you just see a unique word, first five books, just put in your Bible, put search, what was the last time this word was used? When it's like three days, three nights, 40 days, first five books. Go, go, go find yourself in the first five books of the Bible. It's trying to bring you back to a story over here. And so God didn't want the Israelite nation to do things that would get them spit out. Jonah, on one level, like Irene said, this is a grace to him that he did get vomited out. But what, did he, what could he have potentially done that would have made him be like, I got to spit you out? Even after that amazing prayer that covered all of the different psalms what do you think god was doing here when he's like i don't throw up like that by the way (laughs) what do you think god is doing here when he when he's conjuring up this image that's supposed to i think strongly hyperlink us to leviticus Not necessarily, but good, good thought. Right, but he still sees his plan better than God. Okay, if you're using idolatry that way, then yes, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Anyone else? Woo, come on, man. There go the lesson for tonight. Like, we know how, we don't know how this story ends. We don't. But think about what we just saw here in chapter one, how he was behaving and how he was. And now he said this prayer. How, those of you who are parents, have your kids ever tried to pull a fast one on you? They, never. <laughs> you know, they know, how, they, they, they know how to talk smooth to you. Yeah, dad, I messed up. I crashed the car. And you know what? I turned myself in. I did this. 
I'm just like, you know, I'm going to teen camp this year. I really got to change my life. And hopefully it all just turn around from here, man. Like, how, how did I even get drive your car and I didn't have a license? I'm just all messed up. <laughs> I, I'm like one of the worst people. I understand if you want to punish me, but it wouldn't even make sense because I punished myself already. <laughs> Some of you would say, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> The challenge is sometimes we even get bought into Jonah's prayers. <laughs> We're like, you, you did it. God's like, throw up. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> we, we, we buy into that narrative. But what, what the Hebrew writer is trying to help us see, chapter 3 is going to help us really see if he repented. The vomit is supposed to be a signifier of what God thinks of Jonah's actions. When we go to chapter 3, two weeks from today, we'll see. Maybe God made a mistake. Is it possible for God to make mistakes? All right, then, then he didn't make a mistake. I agree. <laughs> so we're about to see in a little bit. However, it still was an act of grace that he didn't let him die. He could have let him die. Jonah probably, I think, like AJ mentioned, probably was hoping he died. He's like, I just don't want to do this. All right, so we're going to go into chapter three two weeks from now. That's our class for tonight. Let's fellowship and have a good night.